Our sponsor this week is Chiselwicks, your friendly local poisoner's guild. We have a wide range of lethal toxins and venoms from creatures as varied as snakes, spiders, serpents, atacops, basilisks, giant scorpions, wyverns, etacaps, medusas, assassin bugs, green dragons, and even ghouls, ghast, demons, and venomous mummies. All items sold for entertainment purposes only. Chiselwicks accepts no liability for any accidental murderings. All the tabletop role-playing news We aim to amuse and we aim to enthuse And Morris is unofficial Tabletop RPG Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. I, as always, am Russ, a.k.a. Morris, or Morris, a.k.a. Russ. And with me this week, somewhat unusually, because Peter is away in the uh, deepest parts of Peru, apparently on a hunt for the ultimate marmalade sandwich, and standing in for him is a friend of the show, Shane Stacks. Hello, Shane. Hey, Russ, what's going on? A.K.A. Morris. Hello, hello, and hello. Uh, so you're not alone, Shane. I, I am not alone. Uh, I, I'm actually joined by a very good friend of mine, Matt Barton, who is uh, a literal PhD, a professor of video games, A.K.A. the video game professor. He uh, has a Vi- uh, YouTube channel called Matt Chat, and he is the authority on computer role-playing games, but I'll let him introduce himself further from here. I feel like I should have worn one of those suits with the uh, the sleeves, you know, the elbow. Yeah, elbow you should have the tweed. The, yeah. the elbow Just patches. covered in flex Hi, Shane. Dust. Hi, Morris. Yeah. Hi, Russ. Morris. <laughs> Russ Morris. <laughs> um, so uh, the, the two of you are uh, co-authors on a, a hefty tome that I have here in my hands. This book weighs about as much as my dog it's um <laughs> 600 pages and uh, it's called dungeons and desktops the history of computer role-playing games second edition no less dun, dun, dun. and we are going to dive into this in more detail later in the show but just so the listeners know you know uh who matt is and uh, why he's on the show we're here to talk about this book which delves into the whole history of uh, CRPGs from, I think, going back right to the start up to modern day. It, it actually starts with the first CRPG that was played on cave walls in between bison hunting. <laughs> That's better. Enough. Us- using an abacus. I said, the the yeah. Lord British's eye. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah. Before, before we do that, should we jump into the week's RPG news? Uh, well, if, if I'm standing in for Peter... Uh, I would say, go on then. <laughs> or do we have to? Must yeah, we? Yeah, do we have to? Well, I did. So, so I know the cover story is that he's in Peru, but uh, is he recovering okay from what happened? Did you not hear what happened to Peter? No, I no no. What what did happen to the Peter? The paragliding accident. Oh. Was that the one where he was trying to paraglide without an actual glider? Exactly. He was trying to beat the world record from the, uh, you know, those those people that jump out of things from orbit. Right. Uh, He was trying to beat the world record. Uh, So he decided to jump out of the International Space Station. Without a glide. Well, I, he's still, the last he's still, I talked he's still to... still whirling around up there. <laughs> he's still, we're still waiting for his entry. Yeah. It's either no, going to be in the South China Sea or uh, he's going to get speared up top the Eiffel Tower. We're not sure yet. One of those so, two things, yeah. One of those two. I think it's Jet Set Willie, not just Willie. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. So 
uh, the, the last I talked to him, he was super excited because he had found some theory on the internet that you could paraglide without, without actually the right equipment. So he was going to test that. Mm-hmm. We'll find out in two <laughs> weeks time what happened. He didn't hear that on this show. I hope. <laughs> no, because all of the news and talk here is nothing but the, but the best and most refined of news and information. Right, let's do some news. Let's do some actual let's news. Let's do that. Let's do some real news. Real um, news. <laughs> have any of you two guys heard of the world of Farland? No, but it makes me think of... I'm thinking no. The world it makes of me think Farland. of a CRPG called Sword of Fargoal, but no, I'm not oh, familiar that's a good with one. it. So this has, been of a, this has been a D&D setting that's been online for, I think, about 20 years now. And it's gone through, it's a third party one, and it's gone through uh, various different iterations of D&D. And I wouldn't be surprised if it existed offline through previous iterations. But I first came across it during the third edition years. Then there was a fourth edition version. Then there was a fifth edition version. Uh, and, um, uh, it's like, it's a dark D&D setting, and it's ruled by these evil lords that are based on the seven deadly sins. So the atmosphere is, if you think like Lord of the Rings, but if, if they'd lost. Oh, it's, it's okay. Kind of, yeah. So it's kind of like that. Uh, they've got a new, a new hardcover supplement called Realms Under Shadow. Uh, and this, uh, embraces some, uh, Asian, African, and Indian mythology and cultures to add to the world of Fireland. Nice. Uh, yeah, I'm not familiar. So this is, uh, I'm guessing it's not a Kickstarter because it's not part of, uh, our favorite game in all the world. So is it, is it already out? Is it coming? What's, it like, what's has the... released. 235 okay. page. Yeah, he released it on Drive-Thru RPG, and I think it's on Amazon as well. 235 page, full color. It's got 14 new races. It's got 15 new archetypes. It's tons and tons and tons of stuff in there. All with, oh, uh, okay. All, all with, you know, sort of Asian and African and Indian themes. That's really interesting. I'm noticing um, more and more material coming out that is not only uh, trying to get away from the standard medieval high fantasy of what I would call mm-hmm. token-esque, uh, but also trying to kind of explore um, other traditions of fantasy and horror or other settings, uh, kind of kind of rolling The Ozark in. Mountains of Arkansas. Yeah, the yeah. Ozark Mountains, yeah, yeah. Uh, of, of right. High this Arkansas. This looks fantastic, by the way, just looking at it now. Yeah, some great cover art on the book. I do. I love the art. That yeah, that yeah. cover's gorgeous, isn't it? Yeah. Let me. Uh, yeah. What was it? It was uh, Farland. What was yeah, the full yeah, name yeah. of it again? F A R L A N D. Realms under shadow, exotic southern lands. I get down to Dixie. All right. Very it. nice. Yeah. So is this? Is this? Uh, Russ, have you brought this up as something that? That you just think is interesting, or do you, yeah, I mean, do you think yeah. that you would want to own this, or um, I, like you? I think I'll probably buy it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it does look so. nice. I, I had the I had a copy of this setting back in the third edition days. I haven't had a fourth edition or fifth edition copy of it, so it might be might be time for me to update. Anyway, you mentioned Wendy's. Why don't you tell us why you mentioned Wendy's? I'm sure everyone listening to this podcast already knows why you mentioned Wendy's, but just in case there's one guy out there that does not know why you mentioned Wendy's, why, Shane, did you mention Wendy's? Oh, well, uh, actually, believe it or not, our our tabletop newbie, Matt, mentioned it first. Oh, I do apologize. Yeah, Wendy's... With my esoteric um, knowledge of... And 
fast food been, related role playing yeah, games, <laughs> tabletop. Uh, yeah, which that. is I said that you know, which is, you never <laughs> it's it's a you know the the fast the food uh, tabletop role playing game. <laughs> yeah, the fro- It's it's just really cool, man. But uh, do do y'all have Wendy's in no, no. the UK? Okay, or if, if, so, if there is one, I haven't seen one. Okay, I remember. I mean, I, when I was there, of course, you had McDonald's and, mm. and all that. But uh, so, for those that may not know, uh, Wendy's is a fast food uh, chain, mainly in the states. I'm assuming it's other places, but it's it's ubiquitous here, and uh, they have released a free D and D like uh, tabletop mm. role playing game. And I don't, I don't. I've honestly been so busy. All I've been able to do is read about it. I haven't actually downloaded it and looked it's at it. It's quite impressive. It's uh, that's what I've heard. It's nearly a hundred pages, so it's not a small thing. Um, it's in PDF. Uh, if you Legends. go to New York Comic Con, you can get a hard copy as well because they've launched it there. Uh, Feast of Legends. Yes. Feast, Feast, of, Feast Legends. of Legends. Yeah, yeah. All right. You have to and fight this McDonald's. Thing, this thing is its own RPG. Um, 75% of the book is an adventure. And then uh, about 25% of the book is the rules with which to run that adventure. But basically, it's a standalone. It's its own system. Brand new system. D&D-esque, but it's this brand new system. And yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's made by Wendy, Wendy's. So I'm curious. Uh, now, I've, I've heard the same thing, that it's surprisingly good. You know, given that it's like Wendy's put it out. Uh but I'm curious. I wonder why they just didn't use the OGL and the SRD and, and do a, I guess, a 5e. I guess yeah. they didn't feel they needed yeah. to. I don't know. I yeah. mean, they've got weird things in here. Like if you play it in the restaurant and you're eating Wendy's food, your characters you get-, get bonuses depending <laughs> on what you've ordered from the menu. I love it. So they, you know, there's, it. A few, there's a few gimmicks like that in there. And the yeah. whole thing is, you know, it's kind of silly. It's kind of yeah. Wendy's themed. Um, but it's beautiful at the same stuff. time. But, you know, it's, it's absolutely beautiful. A, it's a full, it works. It's a full-fledged, well-presented, good artwork, good layout. It's, you know, it's the, it's the, it's the full thing. So are so, people playing this in Wendy's? Is that, is that the goal to get kids into Wendy's? I guess that uh, is the goal, yeah. Wow. Well, I, you know, I, there will be, I mean, I, I could see doing it just to be snarky, uh, <laughs> and, and, and go to Wendy's and play a, play a, a Wendy's game. But it's, it's really smart because it, it, it got a lot of news immediately. Mm. So, you know, I saw it pop up all over the place. It got a little bit of place. pushback as well. Did it really? I uh, haven't for, seen for, like for what two reasons. Of, so there are two reasons it got okay. pushback. Um, bear in mind, I, pretty much completely unfamiliar with the Wendy's. But uh, right. one of the reasons it got pushback was they did not credit any of the creators in the book. No. Uh, uh, when you think about it, it is an ad, really. It's a big 97-page really ad. Yeah. You don't tend to credit yeah. ad, uh, creators on ads. But it's a good right. point. You should, you know, you should credit the creators. And uh, some people had to dig to find out it was designed by uh, uh, a, a man called Matt Keck, uh, uh, Tony Marin, and others. Oh. What was it? Was I've been watching a lot of found footage movies lately. So was this like? Was this RPG like? It was discovered in somebody's home by the authorities, and <laughs> and nobody's well, actually seen the designers. They just had to dig well, up who they were. Well, apparently, the official line is it was written by Wendy, which I assume is <laughs> what the mascot of the restaurant. I don't. Yeah. Know. Okay. So Dave Thomas, uh, the uh, D- Dave Thomas was the guy who created Wendy's 
and he named the uh, franchise and the logo of Wendy's mm-hmm. is 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 after his daughter Wendy. Right. Okay. Uh, so that's always been you know kind of the thing. So yeah, they're they may be trying to make her kind of a mascot more. Uh, you know, because they've over here in the states, Kentucky Fried Chicken has really gone crazy with the Colonel. Uh, Colonel Sanders is a mascot. Mm. They've they've turned him into a very tongue in cheek kind of kind of mascot. Uh, but but anyway, back to uh, this wow. actual Queen this actual Wendy. Queen Wendy. Uh, so you're you're good. going on. So she's the Lord British of the new wave of tabletop role playing games. <laughs> is Queen Wendy. Well, the new uh, wave of tabletop fast food role playing games. Yeah. Fact, well, I I still think this is super smart. Because they got a lot of advertising out of it. I mean, we're talking about it. Well, they're not the uh, only mainstream company doing this now. Do you remember Old Spice created yes. a gentleman um, class for Oh, the class. Pathfinder, yeah, the character class. It? Right. It might have been Pathfinder. I can't remember. I do remember that. Um, well, and it... Yeah, I do remember when Old Spice made a made a character class and put it out there and got people talking. And then talking. there was the car company that did the D&D cartoon ad. In in was it Brazil? Yeah, that, yeah. Was that was amazing. Right, yeah. I I actually I think we talked about this when when I helped on your fiftieth anniversary. I actually got feels when they made it home on that commercial. Mm. That was that commercial was well done. It was very very um, well done. Yeah, yeah. it's very well done. A lot of love for the cartoon in there. I, I think it just goes to show that I mean role playing games, which everyone usually. Uh, you know, in the vernacular refers to as D and D, you know, you want to play D and D. Yeah. What do you want to play? Pathfinder. Yeah. So, uh, I, it just shows that it is a major cultural thing again. Mm-hmm. You know, we've, we've known that for a few years now, but the general culture, I mean, when you have Wendy's putting out a well, it, helps playing game, it helps that yeah. it's cool to be a geek these days. It's fine to it watch does. Marvel movies in yeah. the cinema these days. Whereas, yeah. you know, 20 years ago, yeah. that would have been a different situation entirely. So what I think will be interesting, because I, I think this will happen, I think in the future they'll be interviewing people or you'll be talking to people and 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 it'll be like a you know 10 or 20 years from now. Well, how did you get into role-playing games? Well, like Wendy's put this Wendy's? thing out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wendy's put this thing out and, and, and I just, it hooked me, you know, so it's, it's interesting. I, th- I think it's, I think it's really neat that they did it. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, right. Let's move on with the news anyway. Let's see what else we've got. Right. Ulysses North America has just bought space 1889. Oh. Uh, that is a, a steampunk sci-fi victorious, Victor- Victorian themed space setting. If uh, if you're not familiar with it, um, it was created by um, a guy called Frank Chadwick, published by Game Designers Workshop back in the 80s, and was in print until the early 90s. Uh, Clockwork Publishing, the most recent company to own it, went bankrupt earlier this year, but Ulysses North America stepped forward and picked up the license with the intention of relaunching the game. So, Space 1889 is one of those games that holds like a hallowed do talk about it in here like space excellent yeah you do, yeah i think there's a computer it was either influenced or 1990s or an, uh, rpg called space 1889 by Paragon. yeah it, for a computer rpg this book has everything folks uh but 
the, the Space 1889 is actually one of those games that holds this like special place in my memory, mm. even though I never played it. I mean, either because neither. because I would go to this um, uh, this hobby shop like back in the day. If you wanted to get anything that wasn't like D and D or Star Frontiers or something that you would find at a bookstore like TSR. Uh, you had to go to hobby shops mm. or specialty shores. And I used to go to this hobby shop, uh, and, and, and it would have all these crazy RPGs and RPG supplements. And, and, uh, and, and I remember seeing space 1889 and I was like, wow, that looks so crazy. And it, and it, and it just captured my imagination as to what that could be. Uh, so even though I've never actually played it, I, I remember Clear as a Bell, that game from, you know, way back in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And it comes up every now and then. So uh, how many how many editions has it had now? Do we know what that, this one is? That or? is not a thing that I know. Yeah. Um, only one or two, I think. I don't think it said a lot. Okay. Because uh, I, I just remember it, it was Because like, it wasn't in print for long. It was only in print for like three years. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It just seems so crazy, you know, especially when my... My young brain had only been feasting on D and D and villains of vigilantes, and then I saw that and I was like, "What is that?" You know, so very vivid memory. In the year eighteen seventy, American inventor Thomas Edison paved the way to the stars. <laughs> That's a pretty cool conceit, really. Yeah, basically. it's like it's like, it's like Spelljammer without the mind flayers. Yeah, I Victorian guess, yeah. era <laughs> science fiction. Yeah. There was a so. Doctor Who episode about two or three years ago, which had Victorians on Mars. And this is a, a news item that uh, we can talk about as well, um, if you want to. So, I think I've got something here. T-T-T-T-R-P-G. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Wow, that's T-T-T-R-P-G. a lot of T's. Oh, there we go. Yeah, it's on GitHub. What the heck am I looking at here? Okay, yeah. What is this thing, Shane? Explain. Explain yourself, sir. this is... A user named P. Martinoli on GitHub uh-huh. has added to GitHub this PDF that is very intricate and it shows the timeline of of tabletop RPGs. Right. So you know how like you see these uh, these family trees or these very scholarly where they're trying to reconstruct family histories or the history of empires mm-hmm. or something Genealogy. like that. Yeah. Genealogies. This is his wow. attempt. And it's wow. very, very intricate at a, at, at, at a timeline of, of tabletop RPGs. And it's, wow. uh, as, you as really Russ often have likes, to zoom in on that thing. Yeah. Oh. You got to zoom in on this thing. It goes so. back to 1860, I see. Yeah. He, I mean, which probably that's probably the little wars or whatever that HD Wells wrote some sort of Krieg war game. Yeah. 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 Some sort of, uh, tabletop war gaming. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, and, and as Russ likes to say a lot, you know, uh, he'll make a joke out of the fact that you're trying to visually describe something on an audio podcast, but, uh, you know, I recommend we put this in the show notes and let people check it out for themselves. just checking to see if my game is on there. I can't see it. Well, if it's not, then it's incomplete yeah. and completely invalid. Yeah. This should probably be interactive somehow to make this easier to, you know, what's that? Yeah. Prezi? Prezi would be good for this. Can you can you can yeah, I search? Yeah, about we, is it possible? Well, it, it's in PDF. You know, um, I downloaded it in PDF. No, I don't believe so. my game is on that. 
Well, then they're obviously. Uh, not not like now, yeah. what's old is new has not been included. Well, this entire thing is invalid. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> you look through here. He's including, he's including yeah. uh, individual modules. Yeah. You know that may have uh, impacted things like uh, he's including editions of role playing games. He's including role playing games. So uh, I had one other uh, news item Do here, it. very briefly. Uh, and it, and it kind of combines the worlds of tabletop and uh, computer role-playing game. Uh, and Russ, I know you were personally interested in this game, Solasta, Crown of the oh, Magister, yes. which is the uh, fifth edition. It's it's an adaptation implementation of the 5E game system, not the D&D IP, but the, fi- the, uh, so, the SRD. I am so upset that I can't play the free demo they've got on Steam because I have a Mac. Uh, <laughs> well, it's good. I, heard, not, I have not heard to, it's good. I have yeah, heard it's good. Not to rub, not to rub salt, but it's very good. Uh, and they, the, the, uh, campaign ended yesterday and they raised 243,855 euro out of a goal of, I can't remember what their goal, their goal was, was less. Their goal was 180,000 you know like, euro. That's, you know, Look, to your eye, that's, that's a lot full of Full on self frame animation a, there. To make a video game, it doesn't sound that much. Well, it, it, I, the thing with this is I actually interviewed them. I've got a, uh, uh, two of the team came on my show uh, two or three weeks ago and I interviewed them. The game engine is pretty much already done before they ever started the Kickstarter. Mm. All of, all of the money they raised was to add more content and classes and bells and whistles and polish yeah. to the game. Now, if they hadn't, if they didn't already have the game engine um, done, then yes, that wouldn't be that much. Uh, so that's 200 and just shy of $270,000 uh, US dollars. But, but what's interesting about this is I have played the demo and it's a very good implementation of 5e. Mm. Uh, very, and it also has verticality. That's the thing that really attracts me to it. The vert, the verticality is neat because you, you, you climb up and down in addition to moving horizontally. I saw saw in some of the screenshots you had spiders moving along Mm -hmm. the walls rather than the floor. Right. And, and that wasn't just an animation where they were on the wall could affect combat. Mm. So, uh, and then also something very exciting that most CRPGs run screaming from. This one will allow you to fly. So if you have the flight spell mm. or fly spell, you can fly and you can take advantage of that verticality. Huh. It's turn based. So that's is it? It is. So wait, so, yes. so you just stop flying no. in midair and does that? Then you'll be just there yeah, until okay. your next turn. Yeah. Just like you're playing yeah, tabletop. Okay. And this this game has a very strong tabletop connection because the Kickstarter also included all of the setting and information you needed to basically play their implementation. Mm. Or their, they have their own world, their own IP that's on top of the 5e game engine. Mm. Uh, and it's... Uh, so you also... Certain, certain levels of pledging also get the tabletop RPG materials. Mm. So anyway, you. well, I have yeah. one last piece of news, and then we can move on. 
Yes, sir. Uh, my last piece of news is D&D related. It is from Unearthed Arcana, which seems to be coming out at a rapid clip at the moment. They had about six months off, and they've had three or four of those in the last month or two. And this latest Unearthed Arcana has, uh, let's have a look, new cleric, druid, and wizard options. So we've got the Twilight Domain for the cleric, the Circle of Wildfire for the druid, and the Onomancy, the magic of true names for the wizard. Oh, I'm, I'd be curious about that. The true name thing sounds really interesting. Mm. Because uh, in a lot of fantasy fiction, that, that deals with magic and, and name, like uh, Earthsea, for example. Yes, that's, that's, what, that's what I identify um, true name magic with. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah what was that? Uh, the, the Belgariad stuff, did they do that too? Or, or am I uh, misremembering? Well, the, the Belgariad had the will in the way. Oh, am I misremembering um, that? I don't, I don't remember naming being important okay. to the Belgariad, but it's been years since I yeah, read that. Yeah. Uh, but I remember they had the will in the way, but then they also had sorcery. Uh, which was a separate thing, like, you know, spirit summoning mm. and, and that sort of thing. So they had, they had a couple of different things. Uh, but yeah, the naming of things, uh, Earthsea, obviously, which, I mean, it's crucial, crucial to Earthsea, um, which is amazing. You know, I didn't read Wizard of Earthsea till within the past year. And that's some really good stuff. I, have, I, I mean, haven't it's, read Earthsea since I was a kid. It's oh, it's, long, oh long man, time. it's, it was like, it's Earthsea. prose. But it's almost poetic. Mm. It's just really, really good. Uh, and then also, of course, Patrick Rothfuss, you know, he has a couple different types of magic. He has a magic that's almost like engineering. Mm. Uh, but then he also has, you know, the name of things. Mm. And that's things get really, really deep and powerful when you get into to the name of things. So, but um, anyway, that, yeah, that, that sounds really cool. So, so Unearthed Arcana... Uh, I guess they were kind of stopped up, and then they took a creative laxative, and it's just here it comes. I guess so. I guess so. I don't know if they, it has something to do with because Mike Miles, I think, wrote quite a lot of these, and he has pretty much been AWOL for the last six months, certainly on social media. I think maybe he's been moved into a different. I don't know what he's doing. Oh, he's, he's, I didn't, he's I didn't not even really around. That. You never see him around anymore. I didn't even so, notice that. Uh, I'm wondering if it's mainly a staffing issue. It could be. Huh. I don't yeah, know. Don't know either. Maybe. Yeah. I didn't even notice. Uh, Shane. 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 I yes. have a question to ask you. Russ. Yes. Do you know what time it is? It's time to play our favorite game. It's time to play the game. Our favorite game in all the world. Guess the Kickstarter from just the name. Well, I, I have to, since Peter's not here, I'll do it for him. All right. Do I get to be the top hat? That joke just um <laughs> Matt, you could be the you could be the race car. Our favorite game in all the world is the game where I read out the name of the Kickstarter and you have to guess what it is from just the name. Um we've got oh. two of you. If you want to do two each, does that sound good? Are you familiar with the game at all, Matt, or is this a is this a brand new experience for you? Brand new. You will well, well, either they- love it or hate it. <laughs> One of those two things, most likely the latter. Yes, and and it's it's very difficult concept. Does it involve uh, throwing Twinkies at me? Because that would be <laughs> that be good. No, cool. but we might add that uh, Twinkie shaped like rats. That, oh. They didn't do that at Halloween. Twi- so, rats so and like, Twinkies. Did you just come up with that concept? 
Yeah, and Russ is over here dying because oh. he's trying to move us on. <laughs> <laughs> the clock is ticking, gentlemen. Yeah. Um, yes. So, my favorite game in the world, just um, quickly to tell you how it works, man. I read out the name of a Kickstarter, uh, and you simply have to guess what that Kickstarter is just from the name. Let's let this have you start, shall we, Shane? Yeah, let's do it. All right, are you ready? Yes. What is Deviant the Renegades? Well,. So the the name the naming sounds white wolfish, uh, but I'm pretty sure that this is not going to be a, a white wolf World of Darkness product. This is my, um, this is my poker face. I yeah. give nothing away. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just I don't because Deviant the Renegades doesn't sound paranormal or supernatural, so it doesn't sound like a white wolf kind of thing. Um, I, I think that it is a a game. Where you're, you're like an anti-hero or a villain even, uh, or, or either that or it's kind of punk where you're, you're fighting the system. So even though you're a deviant and a renegade, you know, uh, your rebellion, uh, is either leads to your freedom, um, you know, or just tries to hold out against some sort of oppressive or evil environment. And, and just to give a nod to, uh, Peter's usual answers. It's 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 powered by the apocalypse. So uh, you you uh, there's good news and bad news. Yeah, you had it uh-huh. right, and then you talked your way out of it. Right, completely <laughs> away from it. A storytelling system came. Oh my goodness! All right, <laughs> if you'd stuck with your guns there, you'd have scored full <laughs> points. Oh no! All right. Uh, so what this is, is uh, the victims of experiments band together Ooh. to bring down the monolithic organizations that twisted and warped them. Wow. That is so, wow. You know why I got away from World of Darkness? One, because I hadn't heard any announcements. And two, every time World of Darkness does something, colon, the something, the something is never is never plural. Mm. Right, vampire the masquerade. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so that's why I was like, nah. That's uh, somebody's playing off of that, but it's so not this World is of Darkness. Chronicles of Darkness rather than World. Ah. Of, I'm not actually sure which is which. One of them is yeah Onyx Path, and one of them's White Wolf now Modifius, isn't it? I'm not sure. But I'm actually. not sure which is which, but they're two different branches. That's interesting. Okay, well, so uh, okay, so. Okay, so I will give you five points out of 12 for that. Yay! All right, five out of 12. Okay, then. So next it is Matt's turn. Okay. Uh All right, then. This is one word. You're going to have to get this from one word. What is capers? C-A-P-E-R-S. Capers. Sounds like a sleuthing game. And Matt, just to help, there's not a whole lot of food or restaurant-based RPGs out there. Ooh, capers. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like some sort of detective game, maybe a Victorian. Hmm. Not bad. Um, close. Or maybe a crime game. It's more. It's more you want to take it? Yeah, it's more yeah. super spies rather than detectives. But I don't think you're ah, not far. Super spies. Nineteen uh, sixties yeah. during the Cold War. Yeah. Uh, capers. You, uh, this yeah. is uh, very cartoony super spies. We've got scientists crafting gadgets to help sexy super spies battle super villains with superpowers. So it's are are there fame are there fembots? Uh, I was thinking I either that or some kind of uh, gourmet chef game. 
I'm going to guess that there are. Like a Gordon Ramsay game. <laughs> Gordon Ramsay game. <laughs> it's not capers. What's going what's gonna, to what's gonna happen now is every celebrity chef is going to release their own RPG. Yeah, <laughs> RPG. Yeah. Yeah. Next thing you know, Guy Ferrari or whatever is going to have an RPG. So, all right. Okay. So I, I, I'm going to tell you the name of this one, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to include this as part of the game because it's really obvious what it is. But I just love the name, Harold the Halfling's Herbology Handbook, Fantastic Flora. Oh my goodness! So is that for me? <laughs> I know because this no, just I'm not, this isn't part yeah. of the game. I just yeah. uh, it's in the list, but oh right, it's too it's too easy to so guess that, for the game. That is a great name for Flora. a source book. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Yeah. Uh, I have a feeling that that one might do really well in Colorado and California right now. <laughs> uh, ha, ha. With the capers. Uh, ha. So what score did, did Matt get? Uh, I, I will, let's handicap Matt I will because give him, he's not used to this. Yeah, I'm going to give him plus one points because it's his first time. So I'm going to give yeah. him, instead of 50 out of 100, I'm going to give him 51 out of 100. Very good. So he's oh, way ahead of you at the moment. He's got 51 and you had? Five. Five. Five, yeah. up to <laughs> see, how, see how this works, Matt. <laughs> yeah. If it's any comfort, one time Peter scored minus a million points, so you're way ahead. <laughs> well, I thought you had to adjust that because if it was minus a million, a black hole was no yeah, something, or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I think you had to adjust it <laughs> I get, down I get by to one. Roll twice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you get advantage. All right, the next one is for you, Shane. Okay, plunderlings. Mm. Do you want me to spell it? No, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming it's plunder with lings yes, added on top is, of it. That yes, is correct. <laughs> so I'm getting either I'm getting either a pirate vibe or young adventurers in a fantasy RPG vibe. So I'm going to go with young adventurers in a fantasy RPG vibe. Uh, so it's it's a it's a fantasy RPG for kids. Uh, you know something. Uh, you know, aimed at younger kids, and and they are actually the plunderlings. That's the name for the adventurers in that. We are the plunderlings. Yeah, and I'm going to say that since it's for kids, that it's it's somehow going to be D6 based and rules light, mm -hmm. and that is my answer. Right. I have to make a confession here. This one is a little yeah. bit of a cheat because it's not actually oh. an RPG. It's just kind of related. Ah, okay. It's a source book. It's a source book or Not something. Even that. I was going to say, just threw a name that. out there. It, it, it's actually an action figure. <laughs> oh, okay. Which, what? to be fair, you were never going to get that, especially when you were told to start the game. <laughs> <laughs> the, <laughs> the point isn't to actually get right answers. Uh, the point is for the chaos these action of it all. Figures, they basically look exactly, you know, like the Paizo par uh, Pathfinder goblins. Yes. You know, with the big, um, big white grins and, right. and stuff right so they look right. exactly like that but they're not licensed or related to pathfinder in any way so they're kind of <laughs> adjacent pathfinder adjacent i guess yeah. so these are pirate they're perfect goblin action figures by lone coconut <laughs> <laughs> that's the name of the yeah, company they're about four inches uh, tall, a little bit uh 25 points of articulation and they've got 12 different figures yeah I, I like that. They're like a mashup of Ninja Turtles and the uh, Gremlins. Yeah, 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 they do. But I, I do like that. I think they're named well because you know I immediately thought of both pirates and some sort of fantasy RPG yeah. thing. So yeah, it's I kind of a, it's, on that one. Yeah, it's kind of a mash of that. You've got 
you've got little goblins that are like pirates. Mm. So I think that's pretty great. Yeah. Yeah. No, that wasn't that wasn't entirely fair. Was it? But uh, still, well, it's okay. But it still. doesn't have to be fair. As long as fair. it makes for good podcasts, exactly. I don't. It doesn't have to be fair. Yeah. Okay. And and they they got ten days to go as yeah. of today. Right. Final one then. Final one. And uh, who's in the lead at the moment? I think uh, Matt. You're still in the I lead. I don't even know what points I got uh, for, for that, that one. <laughs> uh, well, because it wasn't fair, I will give you a C minus. Okay. So I have five points plus I C minus. Plus a C minus. Okay then, Matt. The last one. Final then. game is simply called Red. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> All right. This is uh, Word Scouts, but the word is spelled W Y R D, and it's all one word. Word Scouts. So like weird. Weird. Yeah. Is that how you say that? Weird. weird. Yeah, I think that's a way of spelling weird. Oh, okay. Like weird. an old English way Sorry. or something. Weird. Wordy. It's weird. Weird. Yeah, weird scouts. Scouts, weird scouts. What is weird? It's like a Celtic thing, right? Or uh, okay. I think it's just old English. Does it go back to like of. Beowulf and old? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Old Anglo Saxon. These days, I think it's kind of used just to. Weird. Anyway, I'm not going to help you. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> you, buddy. I don't know what to make of that one. The weird scouts guide to the zombie weird apocalypse. Well, put it this way: all you have to do is not score negative forty. Six points, and you'll win. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of hard to tell. If so that's just something. guess it could be that something it's RPG modern related. or something set in like a traditional fantasy setting. Yeah. I mean, this, 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 this one is RPG this one is RPG related. This one isn't. This one isn't yeah. a cheat. That's not an action figure. It's not an action figure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, weird scouts. Uh, you know, I'm coming up with I guess characters that are based on the old. Uh, I guess I'll go maybe old Celtic mythology. Yeah, not bad. I mean, this is Fey mythology, which is pretty much the same thing, I guess, is it? Well, yeah. I mean, Fey is pretty old. So, so this is, uh, it was originally called Scouts of the Weirdwood Forest. Then halfway through the campaign, they changed it to Weird Scouts. And it's a tabletop RPG about magical scouts in an enchanted wood. Um, Are we talking about Boy Scout Scouts? Uh, no, I think like Scouts as no, in... No, they're like little... I'm looking at the page. It's oh, like a, it is they're like little like adventurers. That. It's like the Scouts. No, it's like... Uh, it's you know like what rangers. I guess? Rangers, isn't it? Rangers, yeah, rangers, like, yeah, like, like scouts. Cub yeah. Scouts and Brownies and stuff. Yeah, well, it says it's a, a storytelling adventure game about modern magical kids who spend their weekends exploring an enchanted woodland realm filled with danger, myth, and fairy tales. Oh, I'm wrong. They are scouts because yeah, they look, have like the even, little. She's even got the little badge sash. Yeah, thing. as you say, yeah, she. They are like scouts. Okay. They're like because they get the merit badges and stuff. Yeah, you're merit right. badges. That's what I was yeah. trying to remember. Oh yes, yeah. so it does mention merit badges. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is yeah, awesome. So in that case, I'm afraid I've got some bad news for you, Shane, because what? Matt has nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just beginner's luck. A thousand points. Which means he's going to get a merit badge. Yeah, beginner's luck. Yeah, you get a merit badge and a merit uh, badge. Thank you. Yeah, thousand of so points and a merit badge. What's funny is this is similar. Whatever I just guessed while ago, because it says it's a rules light storytelling adventure game. It's obviously aimed at younger players. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> so, uh, anyway. I wonder if this is connected to the, the official scouts. I don't think it No, is. I don't no, think so. No. It would have, I it, mean, it they would, would have they'd probably kind of tout that immediately. Yeah. And the reason it's called Weird Scouts is because you explore the weird wood, which they says literally means the weird wood. So. Right, anyway, that is the end of our favourite game in all the world. Matt is the winner, and we have more things to do. Yay, Matt. Congratulations. Hey, Simon. Oh, hey, Rick. Wait, is that the new computer RPG you've been wanting to get? The ultimate pool of might and wizardry? Oh, yeah, baby. Wait, wait the one that promises to be completely different and unique and do new things, and freshen up the entire genre? The very same. Just loaded it up today. Comes on three floppies, mate. Good thing my folks got me that second destroy for Christmas. Told you that was going to end up being a necessity. Wow. <sighs> Loving this game. Best experience ever. I'm ready to buy the sequel if they make one, and just look at those graphics. I think there's at least four colours in the mix. Wow. Wait, wait, is that... Yep, six characters in my adventuring party. You get to create them all yourself. Name my fighter Conan and my wizard Raceland, naturally. And Super Fingers is... My thief, obviously. Oh, obviously, yeah. Oh, nice! It's got Larry Easley art on the box cover. <laughs> Barbarian chick, I love it. Man, she's really skewering that rat, isn't she? <laughs> Look at all those rats! Yeah. I wish I had that as a poster. There's a there's a cloth map of the mysterious realms and a and a little metal sword in the box. Nice. And look, every spell from the pen and paper version is in the game. They've got individual animations even. Man, this game is amazing. I gotta get it. Yep, I'm starting over to play it again as soon as I'm finished. Hold on. Got a random encounter starting. Mm, ah, kobolds, nice. Get those little dog dudes. I keep telling you, they're actually lizard people. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, man, I love the animations in the monster portrait. Yeah, this game sets the new standard in computerized dungeon calls, like like gold in a box. So how long have you been playing in this dungeon? Uh, Pretty much the whole game so far, other than getting to town and being sent here by the mayor to prove ourselves. Ooh, right. So how many rats have you killed by now? Hmm, now you mention it, uh, none. What? Yeah, I've, uh... I fought spiders, kobolds, skeletons, some goblins, and an orc, even a slime, but no, no rats. I, I thought this game was supposed to be amazing. Well, I mean, look at the list of features on the back of the box. It's, it's the Ferrari your computer RPGs make. Look, check this out. Exploring these corridors is smooth. Plus, there's an auto mapper, and it adds stuff to the newest pen and paper edition. I mean, that's all well and good. But where are the rats? Even the cover shows rats. I haven't seen one yet. That's false advertising is what that is. I do enjoy annihilating rats, especially in service. Who doesn't? It's practically the reason we play these games. You know, I'd really like to have to put my cleric's mace to good use on one of those cheese-eating plague bags by now. What a ripoff. A good, satisfying rat smashing is where it's at when you come down to it. You see those little eyes and those teeth, and it's it's like you just can't hold yourself back from unleashing the carnage. Everything else is is just kind of supporting material. Yeah, the dungeon's just, you know, the atmosphere. Like a nice restaurant. What we're really here for 
is to beat the brains out of rats with a club. Right. And I haven't seen a rat in this sorry excuse for a game yet. This game is terrible. I can't believe they even shipped it in this state. Total rubbish. I'm getting my money back. They should be ashamed for even selling it to you in the first place. But I'm loading up a proper game with proper rats in proper cellars. <laughs> now you're talking Psh, Ferrari of computer RPGs and not even a single solitary plague-infested rodent under the hood. <sighs> Deleted. Let's never speak of it again. Rat Quest 5, Sellers of the Rat Lord, coming right up. I, uh, I, I have a bone to pick with you guys because I've, uh, I've scoured this book and I can find no reference whatsoever to Rat Quest 5, the Sellers of the Rat Lord. What's, what's going on? Yeah. No, it's just so well known. It's not even worth... We didn't want to just cover okay, redundant well, material. Okay, you've kind of forced our hand. <laughs> but we did that on purpose, and we're about to do a Kickstarter, and we're going to do an entire volume. Uh, this is 600 pages. It's going to be like a 1,200-page volume on the on the, uh, on the the Rat Quest series. <laughs> the infamous Rat Quest series. Yeah, there was so much yeah, material. Like the mace. I think you nailed that part, too, because that's the Yeah, the just mace. getting that mace in there. Mm. Yeah, good smashing. Yeah. No, yeah, we, when, we, when we were writing the book and researching the book, there was so much material that to even – to mention it all without exploring the full story of the Rat Quest series would, would have been well, an insult. that's because we're going to do a whole book just on the Rat Quest that's series. That's right. So, you know, yeah, that's there coming. Is at least that's one listener it's... out there who actually believes that's true. <laughs> <laughs> there probably well, is you know, a people Rat think Quest. It's, people think it's Dragon Quest, but they don't realize <laughs> yeah, that's a localization. Yeah, yeah, what happened was Dragon Quest actually started in America, and it was localized over in Japan as Dragon Quest, and then relocalized back yeah. over here. It's a common misconception. Yeah, it's totally common, yeah. <laughs> so this book, let's try to steer us back on topic. Yes, we have 30 minutes. Uh, so this is this 600 Rats. page book. All of us are sitting here holding, clutching shiny copies of this book yeah. in our hands here. Yes, available this on Amazon and other actually made me feel a little ashamed. Like. I have to be honest. I thought I was a bit of a geek. <laughs> I would say that at least 75% of the games that you mentioned in this book, I've never heard of. Well, I think that just goes to show that every genre of geekdom it has has a deep rabbit hole that like i still discover stuff that about tabletop role-playing games mm. i never knew and i, I consider myself really well versed in that yeah. so let me if you don't mind i'm going to give a quick history of this book um and 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 most start, st start with its uh original status as a tree as a tree and how it how so, it came to be a book in your hands <laughs> and every step along that way well, first there was nothing. Well, the game is cuneiform. <laughs> yeah, and then out of nothing, <laughs> yeah, and then out of nothing came something. Papyrus. and the something formed in the planets. Uh, no, so Matt, uh, and 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 I mean, gen I, I can't overstress. Uh, I, I was I was pleased to to come along for the ride as a co-author on the second edition. But this is this is Matt. I mean, this is Matt's baby. Uh, it's his passion. Uh, it's his, in a lot of ways, his career. So the name of the book is Dungeons and Desktops, the History of Computer Role-Playing Games, second edition, 
the first which we wanted to call it advanced dungeons and we desktops, did we did talk to the publisher about calling it advanced dungeons and, and desktops why, why, why didn't you? uh at the last at first the publisher said yes and then they reversed because i think that they didn't want to confuse people on that it was the second edition of another book mm. so uh but yeah at first that was going to be the name of it so uh but anyway so the, the first edition of the book uh, came out a little over 10 years ago matt wrote it uh, and, and that is, Matt is a, is literally a, yeah, there's a big picture of a rat in there. That is a rat. Matt. I can confirm that that is a rat. Is, is literally a professor who teaches, uh, English rhetoric and video games. So he's literally a video game professor at, at a university in Wisconsin, no, Minnesota. Oh, St. Paul. Yeah. St. Paul, <laughs> Minnesota. I don't want to, I don't want to, uh, get any rivalry going there. <laughs> Wars have been fought over yeah, less. Yeah, fought over less. And so it, uh, he he wrote the first edition of the book about 10 years ago. And he, he also has a anybody that's interested in game development, uh, computer RPGs, that sort of thing. Uh, he has a uh, channel on YouTube called Matt Chat. Oh, yeah. And it's one of the, the, the most uh, popular types of channels for what he does. I mean, it's 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 that's how I met Matt. Was uh, millions upon millions, millions of people of rats have been slaughtered. They have with, with glee, and in some a lot of times Matt will interview the developers. I mean, everybody from mm. Richard Garriott, Lord British himself, uh, down Brian to Fargo. Brian Fargo, uh, some of the big names, uh, Chris Avalone. Chris Avalone wrote Neil Halford. Yeah, Neil uh, Neil Halford. Yeah, uh, Chris Avalone actually wrote the introduction. Oh, yeah. For this book, Chris Avalone is the person who wrote Planescape Torment, mm. which is one of one of the most highly regarded. He mm. also wrote Knights of the Old Republic two, and and several other games, several other well known games. He's you know he's super highly regarded uh, in the computer role playing game industry. So he wrote this about ten years, the first edition about ten years ago. It was extremely popular. You know everybody that's into computer role playing games, the way that we're into tabletop role playing games, pretty much owns a copy of the book. And it's 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 engaging but scholarly at the same time. And then a couple of years ago, or about a year or two ago, Matt and I were talking about uh, doing a second edition um, because the first edition had had some revisions that it needed. Plus, we wanted to do color screenshots because the first edition, the uh, Matt was never happy with the quality of the screenshots, mm. and they were all black and white, and some of them were kind of hard to see. And then also in between, Matt right, he actually ended. The first edition 10 years ago on a somewhat negative note where he's like, well, we're done. The, the, the time of computer role playing games is pretty much over. And then yeah. we have the Kickstarter Renaissance and it, it's, it's almost a second golden age in some ways. I'm not saying that the games we're getting, you know, are, are equaling the original golden age, but we're getting some darn good computer role playing games in the past several years and we're getting a lot of them. Mm. So, uh, and, and and so there's like 200 pages of extra content in this book. There's mm-hmm. revisions. There's all color screenshots. Uh, if you're into computer role playing games or even the history of computer games uh, at all, uh, this is a fan- fantastic book. Mm. So I've got a question. How how well, would sir. you define a computer role playing game? What qualities does a computer game have to be to be considered a computer role playing game? Uh, I'm going to let Matt answer most of that, but I'll just say that every time <laughs> that question comes up, it's like a it's like a sphere of annihilation, and we all disappear into a black hole of debate. But I was I the know reason, what, the reason yeah. I asked because I was trying to think what was my first one, and then I thought 
is that game actually one? Because I immediately thought, do you remember those uh, text adventure? Well, of course you do. Those text adventure games, and there was the Hobbit, and you had to go north, ah. get key, use key on right. door, that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. That I would have said was my Z- first, but I don't know if that does that. Qual- yeah, Zork and Colossal Cave come yeah. up a lot. Does, it, does that qualify as a computer role playing game? Not to me, it doesn't. I don't believe so either. There, there has to be some sort of uh, leveling up, some sort right. of progression. Uh, you know, for me, a computer role playing game simulates as close as possible a tabletop role playing game when you don't have your friends yeah. around. So it has to have, that's so it has to have a character with stats. Is that a, now, see, right. I think the tabletop is a pretty good analogy here because you know I've played D anD D before where there's no nobody ever rolls mm. a die. The whole yeah. session, right? It's just strictly role-playing, strictly. And that, to me, is kind of like those Zork games. You know, which I don't even... Would you guys consider that to be... This is my, <laughs> might be a controversial question, but, you know, if nobody ever rolls a die, mm-hmm. is that is that role-playing? Well, it is. It's about R-O-L-E playing, not R-O-L-L playing. So, or is that yeah. like a little departure, <laughs> a little is, break, yeah, a little... Is. Yeah, but, I mean, in order to be a role-playing game... There are some role-playing games that don't involve dice, Right, you've got to have some sort of. But do you consider those true role playing games? I am not. You are, are not going to get this, me this to sit here hybrid. on this podcast and. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I'd say that's, that a, that's kind of the same thing we're talking about here. <laughs> yeah, they're they're really yeah. role playing games, but they're not the type of role playing games that that I think of as a role playing game. Yeah, if or I say I'm going to come out. up with a tabletop role playing game, there's not going to be any dice, there's not going to be any levels, there's, there's not going to uh, be any one classes. Of my you know, at some point you're like, well, you're not even talking one about of my a role playing game. Tabletop role playing games is Dread which is a horror role-playing game, and the entire uh, resolution mechanic of that is a Jenga tower. So what happens is there's no dice, uh, you have no stats for your character or anything, you just describe your character, you answer some questions about your character, and that's it. And uh, every time you do something where, you know, the outcome of it might be in doubt, the way you determine whether or not it happens, whether or not it works, is you take a block out of the Jenga tower. And obviously as the game progresses, that gets more and more tense. And because it's a horror role-playing game, that feeds directly into that um, into that tension. Mm. And it's absolutely perfect. But there's no dice, there's no stats, and I still consider that a, a role-playing game. Yeah, I mean, that's as long as there's some sort of mechanic, some sort of underlying game. That's a random factor. Yeah, as long as there's a game engine, mm. then it's a role-playing yeah. game. Uh, but if it's just, let's sit around the table and storytell with no mechanic or underlying game system at all, then that's not a role-playing well, that's game. Well, that's, pl- that's just... role-playing, but it's not a game, I suppose. Right, yeah, yeah exactly, right, yeah. Well, yeah, the terminology's fuzzy. Yeah. I mean, we need better terms for all this stuff. But, I mean, for me, if there's no way to level up or develop mm. a skill... It's not really... You know, that yeah, to me is another ca- issue. character advancement is a... Is a well, we could call so it's it... it's not enough just to have random stuff. I mean, you have to have some kind of way to level yeah. up and develop a character. Right, and that's that same debate we're having now about tabletop role-playing games is a big debate in the computer role-playing game industry of or, or among game players. Like, what's a role-playing game and what isn't? Uh, and, and, and Matt does spend some time... In, at the beginning of the book, establishing for the purposes of this book, you know, this is a role playing game. Uh, but it, but there's actually, you know, every every passion, every fandom has those 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 uh, hot button issues that can really lead to a debate. Mm. And and see, also you have the difference between Western R- CRPGs and Eastern CRPGs, Japanese CRPGs. Mm. 
uh, which are quite different in a lot of ways. And in this book, uh, Dungeons & Desktops, Complete History of Computer Role-Playing Games, 2nd Edition, does go into the Japanese mm. Eastern role-playing games a little bit, but it's mainly from a Western perspective. I think, I think my experience of those starts and yeah. ends with Final Fantasy VII. Right, which is one of the... I mean, that's that's one of the most highly regarded yeah. you know, Japanese role-playing games. Uh, in fact, it's being redone. It's getting a remake. Oh, yeah, I heard like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so... Um, but for the purposes of of like the book like every every genre of game or whatever has outliers you know on either end that like yeah technically they're still a computer role playing game but they're experimental or they're doing things quite differently mm. uh same thing with tabletop role playing games uh you know some of your kickstarters over the past few podcast episodes have been like break kickstarter yeah, yeah. so you've had these weird weird concepts in tabletop role playing games uh, but for the most part we're talking about games that have either an adventurer yeah. or a party of adventurers and, and you're adventuring around, you're killing stuff, you're getting loot and you're leveling up, getting more powerful. And some of them have amazing stories. Some of them don't. I found the, the definition. Oh, okay. Of the book. All right. Let's, do it. <laughs> let's hit it. Yeah. Let's hit <laughs> the it. official yeah. definition. Yeah. Okay. So this is on seven. Looks like Shane was to fall. So, in this book, what primarily distinguishes CRPGs from other genres is their statistical-based role-playing systems. CRPG designers rely on statistical calculation rather than phys physical manipulation for the bulk of their gameplay like mechanics. That. In other words, they are more about statistical reasoning than facility with a mouse, joystick, mm. or game controller. And then we, all, then we add after that that the uh, players control a character or a small group rather than yeah, an army. Yeah. Right, distinguish them yeah. from the strategy yeah, I think game. That's, I think that's fair enough. Yeah. I mean, for for me, uh, like I said, and and I come back to, uh, I think I I think I might tell this story in the book. I know I wrote an essay talking about the first time I got really excited by a computer role playing game, and I had played Ultima one, I think, all the way through, and I enjoyed it. Wow, and it was fun. You know, but it didn't, it didn't like, you know, put hooks into my brain and, and like explode, you know, like, oh, this is amazing. It, it was fun. It was cool. Uh, but the first time I was, in fact, uh, Matt, you've had him on your show. Uh, my friend Johnny Wood, who is a game developer mm -hmm. and, and works on Lord of the Rings online and Dungeons and Dragons online and, and those sort of things. Uh, when I was in high school, I saw him playing Pool of Radiance, the first gold box SSI game based on Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, and it blew my it blew my mind because I was like, "Wait, this is D and D. This is D and D. I can play on the computer when nobody's around." Because I mean, you know, back in the eighties, if you weren't with your D and D playing friends, you weren't playing D and D. There was no Roll20. There was no... You could play... There was like some uh, like Lone Wolf single-player books or whatever yeah, you could yeah, do. Yeah. But there wasn't... You couldn't really get that experience. And Pool of Radiance blew me away. I'm like, I can play D&D. &D. Yeah, I, I remember it when well. I'm by my, yeah, when I'm by myself... Perfect for somebody like me, just a kid growing up yeah, in the country right. with nobody you, to play D&D &D with. Yeah, and you didn't even have any tabletop mm. role-playing gaming background. And you got sucked into computer role-playing mm. games. So so that was your, when you were growing up, your, the expression of tabletop role-playing games of D&D &D that you played was all on the computer. That was your reference. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and for a lot of people, 
See, for me, I grew up equally. Like, I had tabletop role-playing games, and I had computer role-playing games, and they were equal. Well, I was probably more of a tabletop role-playing game guy, but I loved them both. Mm. Uh, yeah, and I think it says something for those gold box games, how close they were. You know, even as somebody who never played the D&D uh, second edition tabletop, you know, I can get together with a group of guys mm. who did. And we're just talking you like we... You know what they're talking about, yeah, yeah. I know ex- yeah. everything they're talking about, and they would probably never even yeah, know. Exactly. Right. <laughs> this guy's I, never even played it. How many of those were there? There was, there was a few of them, weren't there? I remember Pool of Radiance. There was Pool of Radiance. Oh, there's a whole... There was Curse of, Curse the, of the Azure Bond, Secret yeah. of Silverblades, and, and you got spinoffs, you got Dragonlance. books as well. These were TSR-produced fantasy novels also. Right. Which, Pool, well, they were set in the Forgotten Realms. Yeah, some of them are based on books, and then some of the books are based yeah, on they games. Yeah, no- so. they did novelize some of the games. That So the, there's a... Because I know the majority of the listeners are tabletop role-playing gamers. There's an era of computer role-playing games that's sort of considered a golden age. And even though Ultima was around, and Wizard Wizardry was around, and Might and Magic... Oh, I'm not sure when Might and Magic came along... In, in my mind, the real... Kind of came in on the tail end. The games that brought in a lot of people that weren't normally playing computer role-playing games were the gold box mm. games from SSI, which was uh, Strategic Simulations, I think, Incorporated Industries, something yeah. like that. Yeah. SSI. Jim, SSI Jim and Ward TSR. actually wrote an article on my site about it. Yeah, those guys have been doing... Oh, no, it's coming. It's, it's the computer, next one. Computer games based on... Like Computer Bismarck, I think. Right. Was one of theirs, and yeah, SSI. But they were the perfect people to get the license. It, it, they just they did a great adaptation of the uh, the now the first the Pool of Radiance is basically first edition AD and D, although I think it uses the Faco from second edition, if I remember yeah. right. It's a little fuzzy, but it's basically you say Faco. Yeah, that's how I. Yeah, that's how Faco Faco. Uh, Lego, Faco, my Lego. I don't know. Anyway, but but anyway, so it was. Uh, so you had these gold box games, mm. and when when you hear like the average tabletop role player may not know what we're talking about, but when a computer role playing game fan talks about the gold box games, yeah, I think you'll find. Like yeah, I think most most tabletop yeah, gamers know that most, too. Yeah, yeah. No, the gold box. Yeah. Okay, so we're hearkening back to back when things were good, you know, and. <laughs> Uh, you know, and, and you go back and play them now and they have their flaws, yeah. but they're still like, I'm playing Pool of Radiance. Those boxes were made of actual all gold. all of the TSR-related stuff was good. I mean, when you go on to Baldur's Gate and all that lot as well, it's still really yeah. good. They're really great games, those ones. Yeah, but if you go before the gold box games, it yeah. sucks. I mean, that's when you get like the, what was it, uh, the... the Atari cartridge? Yeah. No, they had the Intellivision. Dungeons and Dragons. I've actually got oh, the... Oh, yeah, the Intellivision uh, was not so bad. I've got the Intellivision over here. Hold on. One of them is not so bad, but still just that's really before, crucial before compared my time. to uh, yeah. the gold yeah. box. Look, there's... Here's, treasures of Tarman or look, something like that. there's the Intellivision. Oh, uh, treasure. Yeah, Treasures of... Oh, treasure, okay. treasure of Tarman. Yeah, the there was actually two Intellivision D&D games. Oh, you got them both. Yeah, wow, got, and they were basically just little... They were really action RPGs before that was a mm. before that was really a you know a term, uh, and they, oh here you go Russ, I don't know if you, did you ever use this back in the day uh, the no, Dungeon Master's no, Assistant No, I did not. Yeah, that was from SSI. That was yeah. There's you've got the same yeah. thing there, Matt. The the television. So uh, display this somewhere. Anyway, so SSI they they did these gold box games uh, and they had. 
they had a, a four-game series that started with Pool of Radiance that was set in the Forgotten Realms. It started with Pool of Radiance, went through uh, uh, Curse of the Azure Bonds, Secret of the Silver Blades, into a Pool of Darkness. Then you had a three-game series set in Kryn, Champions of Kryn, uh, etc. Yeah. Uh, and you had, Death, you had Knights. A few Death Knights, Death Knights of Kryn. And you had some other ones. They did like a they did like a Buck Rogers. I never played Death Knights of Kryn, so there's more than one Death Knight. Is there? There's three. Three Death yeah. Knights? Uh, well, I yeah, I'm liking on the third one. The whole point of Kryn was that Lord Soth was the only Death Knight. I, if I remember right, and my memory's fuzzy, it, you know, it, it's almost like saying Dungeons of Dragons, but you may only ever run into one dragon. So, uh, if only there was a book we could, yeah, if only there was a book we could consult. Uh, and now eventually SSI, as with all good things, started pumping out crap to keep the money coming in. And eventually the, the era of the gold box ended. And then Dark Queen, what now, if we're talking about just D and D related products, D and D related computer role playing games, then yes, the next thing was next big thing was Baldur's Mm. Gate. Which was a real time with pause, uh, which I say with grudging, uh, acceptance, uh, adaptation of the second edition, uh, rule mm-hmm. set. And a lot of people love Baldur's Gate. I don't dislike Baldur's Gate. I like it a lot, but it's not, it doesn't have that sweet spot in my heart like it does so many other people. Uh, and then after that, of course, you had Never, Neverwinter Nights. And Neverwinter uh, Nights is the one, Neverwinter Nights one. Is the one right. that I think has the the sweet spot for me. I don't know why for that you. coincided with a whole bunch of stuff mm. for me. And I really got into the sort of modding side of it, you know, creating your own adventures. Yeah. And oh, sure, that's what yeah. it was known that, for. That was its strength. That was something yeah. I, I did for about two years. I just spent so much time running this little online worlds using Never Never mm-hmm. Nights One, and yeah, that's my. Interesting thing about both those games is that it's, it's not the original campaigns were not as celebrated as one as the expansions. I can't even remember the original the, the single of the Underdark. And, it was okay. Oh, was, I mean, it was. I remember. I might playing be getting it. confused. Uh, Mask of the Betrayer, yeah, yeah, I think, yeah. for Neverwinter Nights two. That and was Hordes of the Underdark for number one. Yeah, Neverwinter Nights two, Mask of the Betrayer by George Zietz is considered, you know, one of the best role playing experiences out there. Now, interestingly, if we're talking about uh, gold box games in D anD. You know, and, and with the time that we have, really, we could just talk about just the D and D related. Yeah, but don't forget, we got to talk a little bit about the black box yeah, games the, too. Yeah. So one thing I'll mention though, and then I'll turn it over to Matt for the black box games, is AOL actually had a multiplayer implementation of the gold box game engine. Oh, sure. Called Neverwinter Nights, and you could play a multiplayer version of Pool of Radiance, basically that that game engine. Uh, and I think it costs like 50 cents an hour or, or something. Wow. And, and like people, people were spending a lot of money playing yeah. this game on AOL. And, and so when, when BioWare made their multiplayer instance version, they called it Neverwinter Nights. Mm. And, you know, they're, 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 it's not a coincidence that, you know, it was, that was what it was called on AOL, the multiplayer thing. All right, Matt, take us away on the black box. Games. Go on then. Tell me, tell me about the black box games. Oh, so much, so much to cover. Yeah. But I, the beholder was the first of these black box games and they were by, oh, come on. What's the name? Mm. Westwood. And, that, and that's where you got the first person yeah. perspective, the first person dungeon crawler. 
Yeah, uh, which actually, I remember that one, actually. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They basically took the old... There's an older game called Dungeon Master, which I don't know how they got away with that name. Uh, that was FTL back in the... I guess it must have been eight, sometime mm-hmm. in the late 80s. Yeah. and but This was more or less that with the D&D license rap- wrapping. Mm-hmm. But very successful first. I think there's just maybe three or four. And then they did one that was basically a roguelike, oh, yeah. so it would just generate... Generate the dungeons for you. I had it. Bard's Bard's Tale or Bard's Gate. Or yeah, the Bard's Tale. Oh, Bard's, Bard's Tale. Tale. That's yeah, one that's of a, the big. That's another the gold. That's one of the big. Uh, that that is a big franchise. That's a huge. I'm franchise. stretching back into the yeah. dim dim recesses of my memory. <laughs> yeah, that was one of the really successful. Right. There it is, okay. Bard's Tale. Yeah, that was Got one. Got the of, album cover. That was uh, one of the really successful non D and D related computer role-playing game franchises in the Mm. 80s. I would say that your biggies are, you know, of course, you've got all the Forgotten Realms games, you know, Goldbox stuff, you have Wizardry, Ultima. Ultima's always been big. When did Might and Magic Magic really get rolling, Matt? It came out, I want to say, like, late 80s. I mean, it was, every time I look it up, I'm always surprised. I I thought it was earlier. But he was uh, tapping in. Like the Apple II was nearing the definitely nearing the end of its cycle. That that's another thing that's interesting about computer role playing games, uh, that's different from tabletop role playing games, is a lot of times the franchises that people love or that they were exposed to 86. 86, so mid eighties, or that they were exposed to at all is completely dependent on what computer they or their friends mm-hmm. had. So uh, you know, the operating system of a tabletop role playing game is much wider in use than the operating system of a compu- of a Commodore 64. You don't have to have a particular brand yeah. of yeah, table. Yeah. Right, exactly. So, <laughs> you know, people who people who had uh what what is it a ZX Spectrum? Oh, I just or, had a little yeah, Amish yeah, table. I, 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 I couldn't play Spectrum, any of them. Yeah. yeah, so so people who had a ZX Spectrum compared to people who had a Commodore mm. compared to people who had an Atari uh ST or whatever could could have games that the other ones yeah. have never even heard of, but they passionately yeah, like the them. Hobbit we were talking about yeah. earlier. So that was you know your operating system was very important. Now you know uh, as a game got real popular, it would get ported. So you would have it on the Commodore sixty four, you would have it on Atari, you would have it on whatever. Yeah. But there, but there's a lot of DOS. There's a lot of games now or back then that were were one system only. And it wasn't necessarily like it is today with consoles where like Xbox is like, no, this is going to be Xbox exclusive. It's simply they didn't have the resources to port it out to other systems. Mm. One of the things, too, the Apple II just had this apparently, you know, this was before my time, obviously, but uh, apparently just had this fabulous programming environment. It was really easy to program, really well documented. Uh, so you had people sticking to that platform long after it had been surpassed. Graphically and right. hardware-wise. I think Lord British is one of those holdouts. Yeah. But the Goldbox games, interestingly, interestingly enough, were developed on and for the Commodore mm. 64. That's probably one of the only series, major series. I don't know, maybe Bard's Tell. I think that might have been Apple II as well. Yeah. I didn't have that myself, well, a friend a friend of mine. Not sure that about one. that one. So I remember it. So I want to... you. It's it's supposed to be Tales of the Unknown, Volume One, The Bard's Tale. <laughs> but it, and the reason it's called The Bard's Tale is because originally it was going to be like The Bard's Tale, and then the next game was going to be like The Thief's Tale, and then the next game was going to be like The Wizard's Tale. 
But the Bard's Tale proved so successful that they just kept going with the Bard's Tale. So uh, that that's why it's called the Bard's Tale, if, if anyone's curious. So I wanted to go, you know, Russ, you had said uh, while we were on Facebook or email or something uh, a couple of days ago, you said you said Neverwinter Nights was is like your your ultimate uh, role playing mm. game experience, computer role playing game. You love it. Uh, obviously, the multiplayer aspect and the mods, building modules, running modules, being a DM behind the computer monitor kind of thing. But what did you think of the action? I mean, was it the was that the only thing that kept you playing, or did you did you like the implementation? of the, uh, I think it was third edition rules uh, on computer. second edition? You know, I can't. I think it was third edition, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, maybe it was. I'm not sure. Um, Yeah. Like, the single player campaign, I don't even remember. That's how much of an impression that made on me. I know I played it all. Where was it? Lady Arabeth. I don't don't remember. Those creatures. There's a plague. Was there? I believe you. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like the sort of thing (laughs) that would be a computer game. The main thing I remember about the first uh, or the the single player campaign for Neverwinter Nights, and it's a little eerie and creepy, is there's a part where you have to go into the spirit world, and to do so, you have to stab yourself with a knife and kill yourself, and then you wake up, and I'm like, wow, that's that's pretty creepy. Yeah. So I I have trouble going back to those Baldur's Gate ones because because they use the second edition rules, and to be honest, second edition got about a million editions. It's probably my favorite. Nostalgia-wise, is my sort of edition of D&D. But I have trouble playing video games that use those rules now, and I don't know why. My my main beef with... Now, Baldur's Gate is... Baldur's Gate 1, 2... Now they've come up with... Uh, there's a company called Beamdog mm. yeah, that's yeah. been putting out remastered editions, yeah. and they put out an interquel. So they put out Siege of Dra- or Sage of Dragonspear... And Siege. Siege, I always get that one mixed up. And it tells the story in between Baldur's Gate 1 and Baldur's mm. Gate 2. And now Bald- I had a lot of controversy with that. Yeah, though. and now Baldur's Gate 3 is coming, you know, where everybody turns into mind flayers, evidently. Uh, and my I, That's Larian Studios doing yeah, that one. Yeah, it, it should probably pretty be pretty amazing. Yeah. And I'm curious if anybody can do it, yeah, it's probably Larian. It, looks, yeah. it looks good. Uh, I, I we haven't seen any gameplay footage of that yet, have we? It's just uh no, it's just yeah. I never. I, I I've been around long enough now that I don't get sold on a game on a cinematic. Yeah. But I'm like, oh, you know, it's neat. It's a good advertising mm-hmm. thing. But the thing with like me personally, I I like a computer role playing game that adapts as faithfully as possible. The uh, if it's going to say be based on D and want you to implement as faithfully as possible the tabletop role playing mm-hmm. game rule set. Which is one of the reasons mm-hmm. I'm very impressed with what I'm seeing with Solasta Crown yeah. of the Magister. Yeah, yeah. It really feels like 5e. Baldur's Gate, which I don't know I'm in the minority here because Baldur's Gate is one of the most beloved computer RPGs out there, period. Mm. People love it. Uh, but it it made some uh, compromises and it, and it does a real-time with pause combat system instead of a turn-based strategic combat system and that always bugs me, you know, because I yeah. don't feel like I'm playing true D and D when when I get into real time of pause. See, I prefer uh, it though. Do you yeah. really? Okay, I find it more yeah. immersive. Well, you might have. Did you ever play Diablo? I have not. Because that's the one that really set off the whole action yeah. RPG. Well, I don't. Yeah. I mean, and I don't it, like it. I don't. I, like, I don't like it to be too frenetic to and level. too twitchy. You know, I like 
you know, when you when you yeah. when you have a turn based system, there's a orderliness to it, isn't there? There's a do you know what I mean? It's right, and that appeals to me. Like I like to take my time. Yeah. And like, where am I putting okay. my fireball? Okay, who am I enlarging? Yeah, okay. okay, where am I? You know, and and you don't get that with real time sure. applause. And a lot of times, I'm like, why is he going over there? Yeah, you can really, and, if you compare like the latest, compare like the latest Dragon Age game to a Divinity Original Sin two, right? Yeah, and, you know, yeah. same kind of thing. And and and, and speaking of, uh, I, I did want to point out is something I was going to mention anyway. If people want a good behind the scenes. Uh, I want to run like a, a game like Neverwinter Nights Dungeon Master mode. Divinity Original Sin 2 is evidently very, very good. Mm. In fact, I can't remember the, the is it the, the main guy behind Larian? Uh, he went to Wizards uh, of the Coast. Is that Swin? Yeah, Sven no, or, Vinka? Uh, I'm not Sven? sure, but he went to Wizards of the Coast and showed where he built out uh, Lost Mine of Fandelver mm. in. Uh, you know, which is the starter yeah, yeah. set adventure, not the essentials kit, but the starter set adventure for 5e. And he built it out in the GM mode in Divinity Original Sin mm. 2. And Wizards of Coast was super impressed with it. And, and they said, yeah, you have our blessing to put that out there. So if you're looking for that kind of rich behind the scenes experience that Neverwinter Nights did, people can check out Divinity Original that Sin 2. That might be the one to go for then. Yeah. yeah I've never played, I've never played it, but I, I'm going to now. It's going to try it. So, uh, and, and man, this is, I appreciate you having us on. This is a huge subject. Yeah, the, thank the, you very much. Uh, the book is Dungeons and Desktops, The History of Computer Role-Playing Games, second edition. You can get it on Amazon, you know, on CRC Press, etc. I just wanted to run through sort of the the uh, the chapter lists in here to give people an idea of uh, what's in here. Chapter one is Introduction to Computer Role-Playing Games. Chapter two is Origins, and that goes all the way back to tabletop war games. You'd be shocked how much baseball simulation games play into the fact that we have tabletop. Oh, Stratomatics. Yeah, Stratomatics, uh, tabletop role play, uh, war games, J.R.R. Tolkien, etc. The Dark Age is when games were basically being played on mainframes in universities <laughs> and people were adapting before, Dungeons before and Dragons. Time. Yeah. Then we have the Bronze Age, which is... I should is, call it the Dork Ages. Yeah, the Dork Ages. Uh, and then you've got the Bronze Age, which is first CRPGs for personal computers. The Silver Age is when you get into, like, Ultima, Wizardry, uh, Telengard, Sword of Fargal, etc. The Birth of the Golden Age uh, is, is where we get into um, Bard's Tale, more Ultima games, uh, Might and Magic. That's what begins the Golden Age. And then... Uh, a chapter all of its own is SSI, the Golden Age. Those are those gold box games and black box games. Uh, then Origin had a Golden Age with the Ultima series, uh, uh, Wizardry. I mean, because these franchises keep going. Of course, uh, Wasteland, which led to Fallout, is is super important. Uh, you know, we didn't even get into like non D and D types game. Then we have a little, we have some stuff on Japanese role playing games. Uh, then we get into uh, chapter 11 is Dungeon Master and the Rise of Real Time 3D. Chapter 12 is other games of the golden age. Chapter 13 is the epic fails where things start going bad. Chapter 14 is the platinum age. Uh, and, th and that's when we get into, uh, Diablo and, uh, Ultima Underworld, the Elder Scrolls. Uh, chapter 16 is Fallout and Baldur's Gate. 
Chapter 17 is more Platinum Age stuff, Dungeon Keeper and Betrayal at Crondor, etc. Chapter 18 is Birth of the Modern Age. You get Vampire the Masquerade. Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines is one of the one of the most highly regarded role-playing games out there. Of course, Neverwinter Nights, my personal favorite role-playing game of all time, Knights of the Old Republic. That's a good one. Uh, modern JRPG. Yeah, Chapter 19, Modern JRPGs. Chapter 20, The Rise of the MMORPG. Chapter 21, The Late Modern Age, where you get into Bethesda with Oblivion and Skyrim. More uh, that we get Mass Effect, Dragon Age, The Witcher. And then Chapter 22, and in, in some ways, this is the most important chapter in the second edition is is we called it the renaissance kickstarted there's a kickstarter renaissance in computer role-playing games and chapter 23 is the road ever ventures forth where we kind of take a uh, sneak peek at the future of games that are coming and how the publishing is changing you don't really need a publisher anymore and then finally matt wrote a bestiary uh, have you ever seen those like film guides, Russ, where it's like Leonard Maltin's Guide to mm. Movies and it's this big thick thing and every movie only gets like one little paragraph mm. with a quick rating? Matt, Matt did that in the back for hundreds of yeah. games. Uh, that did we didn't have time to do a full write up for. In yeah, the, in I see the you've got basically a paragraph yeah. each. Uh, yeah. Yeah. For each one, yeah, and it's it's an amazing resource for people that are in the history of computers, history of role playing games, history of computer role playing mm. games. So, uh, again, we appreciate appreciate the opportunity to talk this about it. This is not a casual read. It's a big, big, thoroughly researched. It's you know, it's it's an astonishing work of piece of work. To be honest, it's uh, well, Matt deserves most of the credit. How, how, now. Yeah, how, mo- just how long did it take you to write this book originally? Before before Shane came and wrecked it, <laughs> <laughs> which is what happened. Yeah, yeah, we did. You know, one of the fun things Shane did, we we added the sketches to the book. Yeah, <laughs> little mini sketches. Yeah, we added some humor. We've gotten a lot of comment. We didn't know how that was going to go over. Uh, Matt and I have like a little Abbott and Costello routine throughout mm-hmm. the book where we're cracking jokes, and we yeah. didn't know how that was going to go over if the or if the uh, publisher would even keep mm-hmm. it. But it's been one of the most positively commented on things in the book because it helps it keep from being just a dry, you know, scholarly yeah, tone. Yeah, yeah. but, yeah, to rush your question, I'd probably say at least a couple mm-hmm. of years went into this. You can tell. You can tell. Right, anyway. Well, thank, thanks so much for that. Uh, one, one thing I did want to say, it's all color screenshots. There's like 200. So even, you know, I see a lot of people just flip through the book and look at the screenshots for like an hour. So. Right, well, thank you. Thank you both. That's all for this week's so much podcast. For coming all right. Yeah, thanks, Russ. We appreciate the opportunity. And I guess I'll see you next uh, yeah, week. Yeah, Shane, you'll be joining me I... again next week. All right. And 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 best thoughts and wishes to Peter on a, on a swift recovery. <laughs> well, I'll let you know right. if I hear anything about him. Bye. Thanks again. All right, then. Goodbye, guys. Apparently, I now have to read this to you. This is the official podcast of Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG news, which you can find at enworld.org. You can find show notes at morris.podbean.com or wherever you found the podcast. If you feel like they deserve it, you can support the show on Patreon. In return, you will receive exclusive bonus content. Just go to patreon.com slash morris. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at Morris on the Twitter. Send your emails to morrispodcast at gmail.com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. 
That's it. I'm bored now. You can go away. Shoo, off you go. Goodbye. Get out of here.